Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focused on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, we are taking a piece of national news and looking for the local perspective on it. On December 2nd this year, uh, at approximately 11.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, a fire broke out in a warehouse known as Ghost Ship that was converted into an artist collective and into unpermitted dwelling units in the Fruitvale neighborhood of Oakland, California. At the time of the fire, the warehouse was hosting a concert without a permit. A total of 36 people were killed in the fire. It was the deadliest in the history of Oakland and the deadliest in California since the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. With that terrible and unfortunate event in mind, I sat down for a conversation with Chris Sherman, uh, the Director of Development of Columbus's largest artist studio collective, 400 West Rich. We uh, talk about the history of the building, the uses of the building now, how they keep their tenants and their guests safe, the importance of that safety, and the importance of having an ongoing conversation about this. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Chris Sherman, the director of development for 400 West Rich, the artist studio and event space in Franklinton. We're here on a, a negative occasion, recording this the week after the fire at the ghost ship in Oakland, California. Just sort of want to address the concerns of the community regarding artist communities and whether mm-hmm. they are safe. First, as an introduction to the space, Chris, can you tell us what, what is 400 West Rich? 400 West Rich is a, essentially a, a 95,000 square foot building that uh, houses many different uses and disciplines under one roof. Um, we have, I believe, <laughs> I have to ask my leasing manager about this. I believe we have 107 art studios. Uh, uh, we also have uh, another 17 units on the second floor, which are used for artists, uh, some, some, some folks in technology. Uh, we have an open workspace on the second floor as well, which has a whole host of tenants. Uh, That's a shared co-working space, basically. Essentially, yes. And, uh, and on the first floor, uh, in the front of the building, we have Strong Water Food and Spirits, which is a, after the recent addition this summer, uh, it's uh, an 18,000 square foot event space restaurant facility. So full service. Somebody can walk in off the street and go and get a drink and have dinner. There is also an event space where I know you guys have hosted a myriad of weddings and corporate events, fashion shows, presentations, I think a couple of roasts couple of rows. Uh, we used to do monthly dance parties, uh, but the, the parties uh, essentially outgrew the space. Primarily, our focus is uh, vendor shows, craft shows, weddings, uh, corporate parties, holiday parties. What is the capacity for that event space? Uh, the main event space holds 300. Okay. We, we have an additional event space that was just completed over the summer. 
which uh, has another uh, maximum occupancy of 150. We have a patio that we also uh, officially uh, license as part of the event space, uh, which uh, also holds another 150. And then the front restaurant uh, has an occupancy of 150 as well. Just in the way that you're talking, it's fair to say that you guys do this correctly. You get it is uh, you know the occupancy of the space or the sure. appropriate licensed occupancy of the space. You have fire suppression systems. It is it is a quote unquote safe space. It is. Um, we uh, actually had the fire department there today. <laughs> how convenient uh, for you. How, how convenient. Um, but, you know, everything, everything, you know, obviously checked out. Uh, they're going around uh, checking on all the spaces in town, apparently. But uh, so when, when you say correctly, um, sure. Uh, yeah, you could say that we obviously operate uh, in a code compliant, uh, uh, you know, manner. And we obviously treat all of our uh, situations there as such. But, you know, we were fortunate enough that you know, the building obviously had a lot of existing systems in it that, that allowed us to do what, what we do. What was the building before it was it, 400? It, it was a manufacturing facility. It was originally built as a sanitary manufacturing factory, uh, early 20th century. Like uh, toilets or? Uh, porcelain casting, uh, <laughs> uh, casting toilets, tubs, sinks, okay, things of that nature, water fountains. And then, you know, the, the area was a hub for refrigeration, ice houses. Uh, the uh, Spaghetti Warehouse was a large ice house here in town. And uh, we, uh, well, I shouldn't say we, but uh, David Ebinger, who, was the, uh, who had the porcelain casting facility, realized that small commercial and residential refrigeration was becoming more accessible in terms of technology. So he ended up switching over and they had a huge R&D department and they developed the electric dehumidifier, the electric cooled uh, water fountain, the water cooler. Okay. Um, they, they had, uh, they didn't it, invent them. They did. Okay. Those were all developed and invented. Well, the refrigerated Version, versions, versions of, the, of those right. were developed within the building. They quickly outgrew the space by 1950, uh, became Ebco Manufacturing. One of their product lines was Oasis, which is a common sort of household name in terms of drinking fountains. Right. Uh, they uh, they ended up moving out to Whitehall. They were off of Hamilton Road. They had a large facility out there basically on the... S- southeast corner of the airport and then in the early 2000s they shipped the plant off to mexico and they ended up they're no longer here in columbus so uh, after the 1950s because it was set up for refrigeration it became a perfect opportunity for harvey swenson who invented the soft serve ice cream uh, equipment to have a more uh, midwest located uh, factory uh, to produce his soft serve ice cream equipment and they were in that building until 1980 okay uh, they were called Sweden Freezer and uh, and the owner was a quite interesting man he was a diplomat from the US to China during the 1970s for Richard Nixon uh, he also invented a lot of the equipment and mechanics that were used in the uh, di- in, in the kidney dialysis machine. So that so that 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 so was the pretty building certainly there. has a, a rich history. It, it it does. It was purchased in 1985 by Robert Eichold, who uh, who we had purchased the building from uh, in 2010. Uh, Robert Eichold is an internationally known glass blower. Uh, it's kind of slowed down over the years in terms of his production, just because he's uh, getting older. Yeah, getting older and 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 whatnot. But he. Uh, uh, had his studio in the building for you know thirty years, and he uh, he stayed there after you purchased he, it too. Yeah, right? he did. He was he was a tenant essentially of ours uh, up until two thousand fourteen, uh, when when he decided to open up another uh, space over by the airport. And it was it was kind of a combination of what we're talking about. I mean, his studio was old. Mm-hmm. 
and he has 12 furnaces in there and employees and he hadn't upgraded anything in decades and i was just like and the roof's leaking and i can't i could never work on the roof because of the ventilation that's constantly running and it was just a a, a big hassle and i mm-hmm. You know, here I am collecting water on the floor upstairs so it doesn't rain in, into the restaurant, <laughs> you know. And and the fire department, you know, would start asking me questions about him. And I said, oh, sure, you know, let me let me see what I can do. And, that, and that's when he made the decision to go ahead and purchase another building and build a brand new facility for himself. And he has he has the means to do that, uh, which is, you know, which is which is another part of the conversation. But OK. Um, but at any rate, in a nutshell, that's sort of the history of the space. So. And so who owns it now? Uh, Lance Robbins, uh, who is the uh, principal of his real estate development company, uh, Brick Investment Corporation, um, is is an interesting guy. I, I've been in the neighborhood since 2004. I have a small shop. He's an investor and leaves you to sort of run things, correct? Sure. I mean, you know, the man owns a lot of property in Venice Beach, Hollywood, Silver Lake, Koreatown. It purchased this property in Los Angeles back in the 70s and the 80s. A lot of those neighborhoods have changed. He's sort of pseudo-retired, but he decided to, to, to do some commercial redevelopment stuff in other cities. And, and he first set his sights on Providence, Rhode Island, Paul Tuckett specifically, uh, where he has a, a half a million square foot mill there called Hope Artiste Village. And he's got a, a bunch of galleries and mostly commercial space, uh, some restaurants, a large music venue there, uh, rents from from him as well. Okay. And he has a bunch of apartments there. He, he, he converted a, a, another mill into 250 units. Uh, and uh, So he had done this before? He had done this in the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, and then his daughter was at Antioch out in Yellow Springs, and she said, hey, you know, she was coming to Columbus to take photographs of the buildings, uh, ruin porn, as I like to call it, and uh, she said, hey, Dad, you should take a look at this stuff. Columbus, its market is fantastic. You know, it's a great place. So he did. He came and uh, introduced himself, and I got to know the guy, basically, because my shop kind of sits in the middle of his sort of target area in terms of what he was looking to purchase, and Mm -hmm. uh, we... Got to know each other over the years. Uh, at the time, myself, Jim Sweeney, Sarah Weinstock, Nikos Rakowski, several others were doing uh, art events in the neighborhood through a nonprofit we had started called the Franklinton Arts District, or FAD for short. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, he was a big sponsor of that. He, he donated uh, an, an old church, uh, which is currently the Vanderelli Room, um, for our use. He would donate money for Urban Scrawl, Go West events, things of that nature. So when he finally closed on the property at 401 West Town or 400 West Rich, I said, what are you doing with it? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, we should do studios because there's a huge demand for that here in town. And well, and remind me what was sort of available at the time. Well, you had Milo, you had, you had Junction View, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were there were things going on over at Millworks, um, but not sort of to the scale that you're talking about. No, no right, no, and uh, and you know, basically, you know, with with being involved with folks over at Junction View and folks at Junction View were involved with Fad, and I'd gotten to know a lot of those people over the years. We essentially used that as a model to sort of uh, create the, the, the affordable studio space uh, in Franklinton. Uh, it, was, it was announced uh, shortly after uh, we were looking to start our project that uh, Nationwide Realty was, was going to be basically demolishing Junction View, mm-hmm. and that, that helped sort of initially fill some of our space. Okay. Um, uh, out of the ashes rose, I guess. <laughs> well, because Junction West View, Ridge. so Junction View closed, and Junction View was a huge space, and then Adam Burlett took 
a, like basically a subsection of those artists and started Taco Cat. Mm-hmm. Now he's opening Fort. Block Fort in downtown. But Which is open. So, yeah. so you guys did get some of those the leftover artists, basically. Yeah, they were they were folks that were looking to move uh, preemptively prior to the you know they they didn't want to be in a rush. Uh, right. Uh, obviously, I mean they had they I believe they had forty four uh, units and Taco Cat was maybe fifteen or something. Right. So it was much smaller uh, cooperative space and. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we were able to, you know, essentially sort of rehouse a lot of people and a lot of those tenants are still with us today. So talk about what amenities you guys have there at the space for artists. Well, I mean, you know, in terms of a, of, of a basic studio space, uh, you know, your rent includes, you know, the electricity, the heat, uh, the use of the Wi-Fi. You're included in any kind of show or event that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're included in the promotion, the marketing. Um, we also have, you know, uh, lots of open uh, areas and corridors, which we use as uh, sort of art gallery space. There's opportunities for artists to do shows and just essentially participate in, in, in everything that we do. Um, um, What's the cost on a, as you say, basic studio? Uh, basic studios start at anywhere from 90 cents a square foot per month. And if you want something that's uh, large or if you want something that has uh, maybe full height walls, you know, are the, most of the walls only go up about eight feet. Um, okay. But if you want to be in a more private area, uh, a lot of those units have uh, central air. They've got uh, centralized HVAC, a much more robust Internet service. The, the entire building features fiber optic. Uh, which has been fantastic. But uh, so, I mean, there are different levels, you know, and then of course some of those units can go up to a dollar fifty. Dollar sixty-five a square foot per month. And for those that aren't familiar with that pricing, what does that mean per month? I mean, you know, well, for a unit that's a you know five hundred square feet, you know, do the math. You know, it's seven seven fifty a month. You know, okay, but that's a that's a pretty large space. Absolutely, and, and that includes all of the uh, you know, like again, the electric, the gas, the heat, the Wi-Fi, the whole nine. So for a lot of folks, it's been you know that's why we stay full because if you look at other options, whether it's downtown or or you know other spaces, it's. Uh, it's pretty affordable. And at the same time, you're, you're also connected to everybody else in the building. You know, there's there's a tremendous amount of, it's a network of networking and, you know, in inclusion that, you know, that has been generated. And we should be, because we, uh, the reason that we're here, the occasion that we're here, we should explicitly state no one lives at 400. Oh yeah. No, the, the, uh, residential use is strictly uh, prohibited, but the tenants do come and go. They have, they have 24 hour access, you know, and, 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 I, I certainly keep my eyes, you know, uh, you know, I, I see what what cars are there at night, you know, right. things of that nature. So there are and ways for me to sure to, that the, yeah, and the lights are on. Yeah. And there's there. yeah, there's there's ways for me to, you know, track activity and things of that nature. I also try not to be like, a, you know, a, a burden or some sort of strict, you know, crazy not, helicopter manager. Right. You know? It's not your job to be. An yeah. And, 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 and we don't. And it's we rarely have any, you know, issues regarding any of that stuff. So it's, yeah, we've, we've had no issues in terms of any of of that. So there are certainly art studios in Columbus that are not up to code in terms of, you know, first of all, what goes on there in terms of having, well, you have various different levels. I mean, but you know, any kind of occupancy permit that, that is, uh, you know, geared towards assembly is, is, is a much stricter, you know, you're 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 going to have to adhere to much more strict uh, building and and code compliance than you would for 
maybe a, a an, an artist manufacturing use group, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So one of the things that, you know, and like I said before, you know, we were very fortunate that the building had an existing sprinkler system. I mean, that was a big, I mean, now we've spent a lot of money modifying it, fixing it, right, uh, updating it, things of that nature. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it, we were very fortunate for that. And, you know, and when you mention other spaces, most of the spaces that I'm familiar with aren't really dangerous in terms of building or safety. It, it's, it's, it, it all kind of boils down to a zoning and paperwork issue. And that's okay. where I think a lot of people need to get their stuff in order. And I've been con- and I've helped various other collectives in town over the course of the last couple of years sort of help guide them through that process because I've gone through this myself. And, right. and I, well, and it's one of those things that if you're setting out to it, first of all, uh, it's a gigantic undertaking to mm-hmm. do something like that. And also when you set out to do it, you don't, I imagine, know what the hurdles are going to be. No, you don't. And that's why you have to hire professionals like architects and engineers to help uh, create the plan and decipher the code and, and, and decipher the, you know, the OBC, you know, the, the Ohio Revised Building Code. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it could be very daunting. It could be brain damage at times. I mean, it's just, you know, you just, you just want to run to the bar, you know, when, right. you're, when you're done with the day. And, uh, and it's a process that we were able to do in small phases. You know, we didn't build the entire building out at one time for various reasons. A, we don't have that kind of money. And, and, and B, it, it was, you know, as we start to occupy the building in phases, it creates more revenue, which helps work on the rest of the building. And right. then, then we decided to do the restaurant, which created a lot of revenue to continue to work on the building. And, and, and uh, that's where it's really been key is sort of creating activities there that create capital for you to continue to build out the rest of the space. Um, the other part of it, too, is, is you know, I don't really I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in sort of listening to the market and letting the market tell me what it wants and and to build the entire building out at one time and essentially try to inject people into it is, is not really the right way to go. You know, you end up backtracking, you end up tearing things out or making modifications based on, you know, the trends or the changes in the market or or just based on the demand that you that that you are seeking or, you know, getting. So it, it's been, you know, that's that's typically how we've always tried to take things. And it's been a very smart approach. Are you done with your plan at this point? 400 West Rich, the the, the property there is, is is all built out. That's, okay. that's 100% complete. We have another studio space that's uh, currently under construction a little further down on Rich Street, about half a block away. And I have uh, sort of paid tribute to the old manufacturing uh, facility that was there, uh, Chrome Edge was a brand that was uh, that created uh, sink rings and l- laminate countertop trims and stair nosing and stair railings and, you know, uh, carpet and flooring transition strips. It was an aluminum extrusion facility built during World War II uh, and operated until the early 1980s. Uh, okay. it, was, uh, it did business all over the country. Uh, after doing some, some, some research and finding things online, working with a historical... Uh, uh, consultant here in town, uh, you know, we were able to sort of come up with a with a, a brand and an identity for that for those those u- those units called Chrome Edge Studios, and uh, we're looking to bring those online some sometime in February. Great, um, but that's been again a big 
you know, converting these old factories into these new new uses poses lots of challenges, you know, uh, chopping the area up into smaller, smaller fire areas, you know, right. you know, that way the building is, you know, becomes safer and you and you could, you know, avoid having to do costly things like, you know, adding a suppression system where maybe one didn't exist. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, that that building is a true, I believe, to be in terms of a construction type facility where it has a steel roof, concrete walls, and a concrete floor. There's really nothing in there that can burn um, except for content. So it's, right. it's uh, so that's been a very interesting project. What challenges at 400 do you guys still have in terms of just daily operations or in terms of perception of how you guys operate? I mean, well, you are a for-profit business. I think oh, that's yeah, important yeah, to point out. Oh, I still call it, I still like to call it, like to call us a non-profit. <laughs> Guess there's just been no profit, but uh, <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> that's because well, we just reinvest. You know, we just sort of you know pour everything back into the building, and that's great. You know, it's 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 certainly there is profit. It's just reinvested. So, but uh, at any rate, the uh, yeah, we're not like a registered nonprofit, uh, so we 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 don't utilize uh, grants or or any kind of uh, uh, assistance in that in in that fashion, and 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 that's and that's good because it, it leaves opportunities for other people in town to utilize those 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 kind of programs and resources. Right. So and you do house a couple of nonprofits. We do. We we have the Ohio Art League, which is the oldest arts uh, organization I believe in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Besa, uh, Matthew Goldstein operates his uh, his his program out of the building. Uh, we have a few other tenants as well. The OSU Steam Factory on the second floor, basically an interdisciplinary group of uh, professors and uh, students that that get together and create projects and and do research and things so it so you know in, in terms of our operation and perception yeah we're not a nonprofit. you know we get that kind of stuff all the time you know we're not you know there's a lot of different scenes in town you know and, and that's something to kind of talk about too and it kind of rolls into perception uh-huh. particularly since this very tragic unfortunate fire in in oakland at at ghost ship was, you know, I, I started kind of, I, I got, you know, several different types of messages. It was hysteria. Okay. <laughs> it was some folks were, you know, concerned about the, the facilities. Uh, I had tenants that, you know, well, I hope we have sprinklers. And then, you know, some people, all you got to do is look up. And I'm like, well, some people don't know these things, you know? So, right. so, you know, so, so there, you know, I was getting all kinds of messages and, uh, you know, and then then one of the messages I got on a Facebook post I made was I was essentially sort of being you know attacked for the you know type of facility that we operate, and there's and there there seems to be a you know <laughs> you know artists can be artists, and you know we all have our little personality quirks, but there you know there you know there are there are several different scenes, and I think when you when you look at you know the different scenes within the arts community as a whole, we could be viewed by younger, more you know DIY or fringe art art kids is like sort of the commercialized space. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, and that's fine. You know, I don't necessarily. Well, cause it does cost money to I, be there. Yeah, you have a, yeah. a lease, you have an actual agreement. Yeah. And I don't have an issue with that, you know, and I believe that, you know, and in terms of, in terms of the DIY arts movement and culture, you know, it needs to be respected, you know, and I've, and I'm no stranger to back in the nineties, you know, those, those places and those parties and that, and that, and that atmosphere, I, mm-hmm. I, I thrived and, you know, lived in that as well. So it, it, you know, and, and, and it needs to be respected, but at the same time, you know, where do you draw the line with fire life safety and where do these organizations get the resources to do these improvements, you know, and that, and that, and that's a conversation that I think 
needs to happen. And these are, you know, and, and, and these are resources that need to be made available. You know, it doesn't mean that a space just might need some exit lights. It might need a fire alarm. You know, it might need some fire doors. You know, right. we're not talking about major things. A lot of this stuff has to do with paperwork. Right. A lot of it has to do with, you know, filling out the, the, the proper applications and being able to navigate that stuff. Well, well, guess what? A lot of people can't, so they hire architects. Well, that costs money. That costs a lot of money. You know, and, and, well, if, and so what is the best way for, other than reaching out to you directly, What's yeah. the best way for an organization to sort of navigate that? Well, currently it's been people like myself or, you know, others that are f- familiar with these processes, whether it's in the architecture or the construction industry, to sort of reach out the contacts that we have at the city, try to make introductions and try to, you know, be proactive about it. You know, a lot of times what ends up what ends up happening is, you know, they throw a party or Somebody gets, you know, shitty or whatever, and they end up, uh, you know, there's a complaint or somebody wants to, you know, sue somebody, whatever the case is. And so next thing you know, you got you got the fire department or you got, you know, code enforcement showing up. And a lot of people don't know how to navigate that process. And it's scary. You know, a lot of people don't want to because that guy shows up and you automatically assume, oh, they're going to shut us down. Oh, I still Which, get it. And that's not their goal. Their My stomach goal is still to make turns sure. to knots when they show up. Right. And, I, and I know we don't have much to worry about, but still. Yeah. Right. It could, be, it, it could be a very intimidating process, but, you know, hiding and avoiding the process is, is essentially what ended up happening in Oakland. You know, it was reported that, that, that you know, Ion had, Derek, I believe his name is, you know, had, had multiple you know, violations and was ignoring things. And, you know, I, and the story quite hasn't come out yet, but that's the wrong approach. I've certainly utilized the go ahead and do it and beg for forgiveness later, you right. know, approach. And that, and that certainly, but that's you know, in terms works. of getting a permit. That's not sure. You're yeah. certainly not trying to, you're not trying to do anything wrong. You're just trying yeah. to avoid going through the entire process. Or it's, you know, or some people that's, it creates a lot of anxiety. Okay. There's a lot of things like that in society, you know, any kind of compliance. I mean, it could be income taxes. It could be running a business. I mean, you know, I'm sure you and I have known many people over the years that have tried to, you know, start something up and then, you know, it, it may be popular or successful, but they end up with all sorts of back end issues, you know, accounting or taxes or things of that nature. And all of these things can be very well, and sometimes you don't, stressful. I know as a business owner, I found out six months into opening a place, oh, there's this entire tax I was unaware that I <laughs> sure. had to pay. Oh, yeah. Thank God I had an accountant to like guide me through that oh, yeah. process. But there's a point, I think, in any young person's life that isn't receiving a whole lot of financial support from their parents or from whomever, where you get bills and you just don't open them. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and that's sort of... I'm still guilty of that. But, yeah. <laughs> that's what you're talking about in terms of all the permitting and you know, yeah. going through all the, the regulations. I mean, how many staff members do you guys have? Well, I've got, uh, I've got three office staff or we have a we have a full-time accountant we have a leasing manager and then we have an office assistant slash events uh art uh, coordinator who also does the the facebook and the the marketing and, mm-hmm. and coordinating the the shows and that sort of thing so that's you know, and that's not even including the maintenance guys that you guys yeah we we have a construction staff of about a dozen full-time and, full-time and then the restaurant employs probably 45 people that's a crazy big operation yeah yeah, it's yeah yeah not everybody needs to strive for that or or anything like that and i think you know and going back to sort of respecting the different 
cultures, you know, within the arts community, you know, a lot of people don't want that stuff, you know, and a lot of people, you know, don't want what stuff? Well, well, they don't want the big staffs or they don't want the, uh, you know, they don't want the size of the operation and the, and the headaches that can come with that. So, which I, which I completely understand, uh, you know, part of the other thing too, that's sort of prevalent within, within some of these, some of these other, uh, cultures, I guess, within the, within the arts community is there, there could be a sense of, you know, resistance to wanting to conform to those things. And, and that, and I could certainly understand that, and I could respect that. Um, Not wanting to operate within the "quote unquote" system, you mean? Sure. Okay. You know, and, and you know, there, and and I think that you know, there's 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 a trend there with that as well. But like Oakland, you know, there needs to be, you know, there just has to be, you know, you just can't operate a space that isn't safe, you know, and that right. and, and that was an example of that. So where does how does that how does how do those two things meet? I don't know. You know, but I think that they're, you know, part of the, you know, I think what what could happen immediately to keep spaces from from at least being shut down or closing, particularly mm-hmm. here in Columbus. And I'm not saying that that anyone's in danger of that. I, 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 I haven't spoken with anybody or know of any or have any of that kind of information. But if there are issues, you know, how do we get these people compliant? How do we get these spaces compliant? You know, the minimum that at least would be required and that. That's something that I'm I'm certainly interested in trying to pursue and, you know, keep that conversation rolling. Is there a larger group? Obviously, everybody sort of talks to each other. You know, Adam, I know, Adam, you know, we're aware of all the, the spaces and the people that live or work there. And, you know, is there, though, a formal group of people having a conversation about this because i know that you know the fire department at this point is going around and sort of no that came out today right they're going around and they're saying hey we see that this event is happening or hey we know that you guys exist Mm -hmm. uh and are trying to sort of be proactive about it which i think is a great thing that they should be doing but is there a formal should there be a formal group that sort of guides people through this process of being code compliant and 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 doing sort of the minimum to sure. to one be compliant and two more importantly be safe. Yeah, I think there. I, I'm not aware of any group per se that exists, but I think that there should be a sort of a collective of of people that you know. I mean, if folks are interested, you know, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, but it also falls on the hands of the space. I mean they have to be willing to, to, to do these things, in you, know, you, you know, and whether it's, whether it's, you know, I mean, you know, let's say some space needs $5,000 worth of exit signs, emergency lighting and panic bars on their doors, you know, mm-hmm. where are they going to get the resources for that? You know? Right. And, and I think that, you know, if there's, if there's grant opportunities, you know, there's various organizations in town that, you know, that are already providing financial resources for artists and also collectives. So, you know, maybe something like that is, is, you know, could be an opportunity to at least in the meantime, you know, guide folks through, get the zoning right, get the bare bone fire life safety stuff addressed and mm-hmm. continue to operate and stay open and not be the financial burden that these things can be. I mean, we've spent probably six, $700,000 on these things at 400 over the years, you know, and it, and it's, but it's also, that's a testament to the size of the space and, oh, to, of course, and to, the, of course, to the use yeah. of the space as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It's very, you know, in terms of its intensity, but it, it it's, but th- it's not cheap, you know? And, and I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, this is this is a you know this is an opportunity for spaces to 
to try to at least, you know, because it's, you know, the, as I like to call it, you know, it's, it's unfortunate what's happened and I'm not trying to minimize anything, but you know, the, the hysteria is, 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 is started, you know, and, yeah. and it's within these, within these spaces and, and uh, it's, you know, it's about time maybe that some of this stuff was addressed as well. So. Right. Are there things that the city can do to make it easier for these sure. spaces? They, they have been, the city of Columbus has been a huge help for not only 400 West Rich, but for multiple other organizations in town, not just in Franklinton, but all over the city. And, and there are folks that are willing to help any way they can to to streamline the process Mm -hmm. and to be rational about these things and to, and to, you know, make rational decisions. Building services has been, you know, tremendous in terms of, you know, over the years, they've been very supportive in what we do. And sure, did I, did I run and hide from a lot of those people for years? Of course I did, you know, but. Well, because you didn't know what the nature of that relationship was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've, I've been doing construction for, for years all over the city and, you know, it was, it was always kind of, you always wanted to hide from that stuff, but, but it's really not anything you really have to hide from, you know, as long as you talk to these folks and you're trying to make an honest effort and you're not trying to hide anything, Mm -hmm. it, it really does. You would be surprised how, how easy it is. Well, frankly, they are there to assist they are not i, I mean oh, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not there to throw up roadblocks they're just there to make sure everything is done correctly oh yeah yeah that's that's true and you know and they have you know and and there is a lot of discretion you know it's if if they come into a space and see that you have lighting and some fire extinguishers and you know things of that nature you know they're not going to really bust your balls about a lot of this stuff and that's, that's they're going to say hey maybe you want to mount that fire extinguisher on the wall <laughs> but that's it <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think that, you know, speaking with the fire department this morning, you know, they're not, they're not looking to go around and, and shut anybody down. They're just trying to make sure that everybody's safe. And I, and I can, I have nothing but respect for that. So Chris, thank you so much for your time. Uh, have a good holiday. Thank you, Tim. And, and hopefully these, these type of conversations can continue and maybe spark some interest in trying to assist some of the other collectives in town. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, your family, your contacts, your enemies, your favorite artist. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good week. Thank you.